SBF got arrested. It's such a great day. Turns out his 4D chess was just him playing checkers. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Bankless Nation, happy third Friday of December. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere into the frontier, into the end of the year, nonetheless. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing great, man. It's going to be good to close this one out this year, that is. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about this roll up. And David, I, I think you're, you're, are you wearing your SpongeBob uh, sweater? Yeah, I haven't seen you in that for high, a while. High Fashion Friday. High Fashion All right. Friday. That feels yeah. like a good kind of like holiday sweater. Yeah. It looks comfy, mm -hmm. looks like pretty relaxing. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling, man? You feeling okay? You feeling relaxed? Dude, I think I'm pretty, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really okay. good. Uh, I mean, we all know how bad this year was, but. Uh, I think that we are uh, on the precipice of good stuff because of what happened this week. SBF got arrested this week, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I started I started December saying that December is the best month. SBF got arrested. Uh, the the that. redemption arc of Three Arrows Capital is coming to a close. People are having none of that. Uh, and so we're going to cover all of this news and more. In addition to that, Binance is seeing all-time high outflows. Is a run on the bank happening with Binance? Are we about to do this all over again? Or is this just happening in an abundance of caution? People going bankless. We'll talk about that. What else we got, Ryan? We also have um, one of the best investigative journalists, or so we thought, called The Block. It turns out that was secretly owned by SPF. Yeah. Like, what a Mastercraft villain uh, we're dealing with. So we, we talk about that. That hit me pretty hard on Friday. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit. And also, David... I'm hearing some rumblings. I'm hearing some things about the world's greatest NFT drop in history. Who is who is dropping an NFT? Oh, we're, we can't tease that. We can't tease that now. But let me just tell you, Ryan, it's a big, big deal. The world <laughs> has never seen an NFT drop this fantastic. We're going to make NFTs great again. Folks, let me tell you, NFTs are the future of digital ownership based on the most advanced technology out there, blockchain. And we're going to drop the biggest any NFTs anyone has ever seen more later in in the show. David, did you get any comments about your uh, Trump impression from last r last roll up? You know, I uh, positive the, or negative? The, the scammy YouTube comments absolutely like the the bot farms that are also on YouTube kind of drowned out all the YouTube comments last week. I didn't I didn't get any comments, but uh, okay. I'm, I'm coming well, for maybe I'm this coming week. for round 2. He's coming fishing for, for it, all right? Because uh, I bet if you could guess who that was, who David was in person, you probably have a clue on who's dropping an NFT oh as fresh God. as of today. David, before we get in, we got to talk about our friends and sponsors at Kraken. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with Kraken and what is Kraken up to? Yeah, so we're actually rethinking, Bankless is rethinking our sponsor strategy going into 2023. We want to form uh, more intentful, more surgical, long-term relationships. And so we're working with Kraken, who is the only exchange that pioneered and implemented proof of reserves before anyone ever asked them to. Uh, when we had our conversation with uh, with Jesse Powell from Kraken, the CEO, who's been head sound building since like 2014, uh, I just felt like he is the Eric Voorhees type. He's the libertarian who's doing what he needs to do to help move this industry forward. Uh, and so he, when he came on, he was like, yo, use Kraken, but then get off Kraken. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah. he's, he's also like, and also you should use other exchanges. Don't put right. all of your eggs in one basket. That was super refreshing to hear. It was in stark contrast to the scammers that have pioneered 2022. Uh, Jesse came into the industry way back when. He's been head sound building ever since. Uh, very an egoless individual. And so we've chosen Kraken for a long-term 
interim sponsor. We're going to uh, have more details about this uh, into 2023. But right now, uh, you can, if you are unsure about your exchange, uh, perhaps go to the link in the show notes, go to kraken.com uh, and sign up for the exchange that implemented proof of reserves before anyone ever asked them to. An exchange that didn't rug you last year yeah. as well. Doesn't that feel good to yeah. say? Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm going to be moving some more of my stuff there mm-hmm. uh, as well, guys. All right, well, let's uh, get in. Let's talk about markets today. Bitcoin, what are we looking at on the week? Give us the price data. We got a, a flat week, Ryan. Bitcoin uh, it ended up up 0.7%, started the week at 17,260, ending the week at 17,380. So 0.7% up. All right. Um, neither higher nor lower very much, just kind of flat-ish. Uh, ETH as well, same, same. Uh, down a little bit, down 1.1%, started the week at 12.85, ending the week at 12.70. Got up to 13.30 on the uh, positive CPI print, um, but then fell back down, uh, you down know, 1.8%. Part of the reason, 1.1%. David, I'm feeling, um, uh, I guess, rejuvenated coming to this episode versus some of the others in like November is uh, we had that ETH Bulls episode that we did. This oh, is an God, episode that that's so coming bullish. at you on December 26th, all about ether it's an eth bull panel that we do about every six months and six months and this one was especially this good so good <laughs> uh but i remember something that the dc investor made the point look we are still below 2018 all-time highs for mm-hmm. eth right mm-hmm. and what's interesting is like he he put out this tweet a few uh weeks ago which said like i didn't buy at 80 but i bought at 120 this is during you know mm-hmm. uh 20 20 i guess but mm-hmm. you know bear market and he's like there's no difference there's literally no difference don't remember the, the difference right it's, it's, it's crazy it's like that's kind of what the numbers look like now only it's 10x different mm-hmm. like our low for ether was about 800 or so it's eight yep. high 800s really and then now we're at like 12 uh 1200s 1300s mm-hmm. right the delta is the same so and we're below 2018 we're below the last all-time high so yep. i'm not saying ETH is looking juicy at these prices but uh, the ETH bulls certainly are, and they will right. be on the t- on the 26th when that episode releases. And uh, yeah, it just seems like a good time to, to keep dollar cost averaging in. Yeah, and the point of that tweet was that like when Ether hit $80, like it didn't stay there. It bounced right back up. And so he was just reminding people, it was like, hey, you don't have to time the Pico bottom. Yes. Buying at $120 ETH just kind of blurred together with buying the $80 ETH. I made uh, so many mistakes when I was a noob just... To, like watching the charts and trying to time the the pico right. bottom when i should have just been like dollar, dollar cost, cost averaging, averaging in during yeah. the bear market yeah uh all yeah. right let's talk about the ratio what's that looking like david uh ratio down 1.8 percent down from 0.0745 to 0.073 uh down 1.8 percent holding up though holding mm. up and bitcoin and eth down from all-time highs they're about neck and neck aren't they yeah yeah they're about the same mm-hmm. like 76 77 percent something yeah, like that exactly. um crypto market cap total are we above or below a trillion dollars david still below a trillion dollars uh 885 billion dollars about flat on the week good question that we asked vitalik by the way in our episode we recorded that's coming at you monday was basically like will crypto ever be a you know multi-trillion dollar asset class again or will mm-hmm. it forever be a niche right. you had a really fascinating answer to that question yeah. so. premium subs already have that podcast uh yeah you do or at least go check your, out in a few hours yeah go mm-hmm. check your premium rss feed for that it's a fantastic podcast all right should we talk about uh do our fed watch talk fed about watch. macro for a bit gotta watch the fed Two things happened this week, David. Um, The first is we got some CPI numbers, Mm -hmm. and that is inflation, of course, consumer price index. They came in lower than was expected. So that is good news. Hooray! Good news. We are excited about that, and Mm -hmm. and you can kind of see this over time. This is the chart from uh, 
of CPI changes from 2015 all the way to 2021. You see the peak? That peak mm-hmm. was around like June-ish or mm-hmm. so. And uh, we're down off the peak. So I think the official numbers are something like this, David. Um, June was 9.1%. That was the high for the year. Now, November, 7.1%. The numbers fall off. And previous month, October was 7.7%. Uh, core inflation, obviously, also down. Core inflation is like a subset of the main CPI number. That's another uh, number to track independently. So that happened. And the question is, is inflation over? Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happened, David, is the Fed raised rates. So the federal fund rates, that's the interest rate, is now in a range of 4.25% to 4.5%. So the Fed, Powell raised it by another half a percent. That was basically as expected. The market yep. anticipated that. And so um, this is lower than the previous increases. The last couple of raises have been by 0.75%, and this was half a percent instead. Uh, and if you look at kind of the the predict like the markets, the prediction markets, the, the the target rate right now is people are thinking the market's thinking the rate's going to be about five percent in twenty twenty three. So we might get one or two more hikes that are expected in that range. And by 2024, the market is saying the rates will drop down to 4.1%. So that is what the average person thinks. And so I think there's like two questions here. Um, the first question is, has inflation peaked? All right, has inflation peaked? What's your take on that? Do you think we've inflation's peaked? Do you think CPI is kind of over? And um, you know the intervention by the Fed and a combination of re- relaxation of the supply chain issues that, that mm-hmm. we were facing uh, over the past two years are kind of over, and so we've hit the peak, and it, it, we're going to be fine from here. What do you think? So if you want to go back to that chart that you were just showing that shows the inflation chart, uh, the inflation peaked in June, 9.1%, September, 82 October, 77 November this month, 7.1%. So clearly, we are in a downtrend. And while it's totally possible that it just reverses and keeps on going up in a way that we don't like, that is on the menu. But uh, it is worth noting that the more that we progress forward in time, the more the interest rates that the Fed has increased in recent uh, in 2022 starts to take effect. When you raise interest rates as the Fed, that takes time to ripple out. Uh, it takes time for the effects of having to pay back money at a faster rate reaches the margins as a, it reaches the all, all of the economy. So the like CPI longer, is a lagging indicator. Is exactly, what you're exactly. And so the Fed has been raising rates all throughout the year. Uh, and so there are the last one, two, three times instances that the Fed has raised interest rates that has not shown up in the CPI print yet. And so there are many instances of the Fed's raising rates that has not shown up that will continue to have an increased effect on inflation. So I think it's one of those questions. Are we are we peaked? Have we peaked? The longer that it goes on, where we are not going up, obvious, I mean, this is a really, really simple way <laughs> to put this. bankless analysis here. Exactly. The more that it's not going up, the more likely it is that it is peaked. And we are in almost, like, I mean, June, we're in December now, yeah, so we have the November down. print. Like, we almost have six months in a row of decreasing inflation. So, I mean, it's looking better. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. Well, and then also just like there's been a longer time bef- bef- when there's been any news about uh, the Russian invasion. There's been I haven't seen much about supply chains. So like the global macro news cycle at least seems to be like quelling uh, for like six ish months in a row now. So like we're trending in an acceptable direction. 
well, this professor at University of uh, Michigan over at Econ, Justin Wolfers, agrees with you. He says this mm-hmm. in his tweet, core CPI rose by only 0.2% in November, which is yet another positive disinflationary surprise. Headline C- CPI rose only 0.1% in the month, also below expectations. This is remarkably good news, he says, for the second month in a row. Inflation has clearly peaked. Inflation has clearly peaked. So much so that brings us to kind of the next question in the analysis is when when can the Fed stop raising? It's a question, right? And uh, we have politicians saying that they should stop now, that they've already gone too far. Uh, This is a tweet from Elizabeth Warren saying, the Federal Reserve's Chair Powell has just announced another extreme interest rate hike while forecasting higher unemployment. I've been warning that Chair Powell's Fed would throw millions of Americans out of work, and I fear he's already on the path to doing so. I'm not sure what Elizabeth Warren's response to inflation would be. Do we just let it run? But that aside, there's clearly some posturing, some pressure to not let these interest rate hikes trigger a recession. That would also be a bad thing, and politicians are increasing the pressure. So maybe that is um, a, a reason, this political pressure, for the Fed to uh, to reverse course and change course earlier. I'm just kind of triggered that Elizabeth Warren is trying to tweet at the Federal Reserve to influence monetary policy. Like, Elizabeth Warren is a politician, not an economist. Uh, our, our friend Kyla, if you scroll down, Ryan, I'm pretty sure has the most liked tweet in response to this, where she responds to uh, Elizabeth Warren and says, this is an incredibly irresponsible thing to tweet, which I agree <laughs> with. Like, let's not politi- can we stop politicizing our monetary policy? Uh, that is bad. Uh, but I don't think we can, David, is the answer to your question. I think mm. no. And it's interesting you said uh, trying to influence the, the Fed. One observation I have, we might get into this a little bit later with some other politicians' tweets, is uh, you said the word influence. Mm. I think all politicians are influencers now. <laughs> I mean, this is like a, look, uh, we know the game. We see it in crypto Twitter all the time. This is a, a clout-chasing type tweet. You're not necessarily wanting the Fed to actually stop. It's not that you actually think it's a good idea. Mm. You're kind of trying to collect the clout. You're just being a populist? Uh, There's an element of that, certainly. And that is the game that they're playing. Now, Powell, the game that he's playing, is he's still saying that there is a ways to go. He's not responding to this political pressure. So uh, continues to plan to increase interest rates. This is a quote from him. We still have some ways to go. He told a press conference that was on Wednesday. Uh, I wouldn't see us considering rate cuts until the committee is confident that inflation is moving down to 2% in a sustained way. Restoring price stability will likely require maintaining a restrictive policy stance for some time. Restrictive policy stance for for some time, not going to stop till we hit 2%. Where are we, David? 7%? Mm -hmm. There's a delta there. Um, Other people are saying, hey, 2%? Powell, what's so bad about 3%? We can live with that in a post-COVID era. And that is the slippery slope he kind of, um, I guess, finds himself in in this type of of climate. Uh, Yeah, I think think that's right. And I think there was a big conversation around uh, the S&P and the stock market. And we're also seeing this in the crypto markets as well, where we got the the lower than expected inflation and markets markets rallied. That's when Ether got all the way up to the high, high price of 1330. Uh, And Bitcoin jumped as well. Uh, The stock market jumped. And then everything came right back down to where it was. Uh, and so, and then that bummed people out. It's like, yo, I thought this was good news. Like, why didn't we sustain this rally? Uh, and the conversations I've heard around this are all about, well, 
it's hard to sustain rallies when interest rates are high. And right. so like, okay, maybe we're not going to dump, but like having uh, going up in price sustainably requires flows of buy pressure into these assets, into these risk on assets. And like, okay, we got this good news. We got this dopamine hit, but sustaining a rally when interest rates are as high as they are at four and a half percent. And like, that's a bigger ask. And so some people have, I mean, it's, they're not turning bearish, but it's hard to be optimistic when we can't sustain a rally because of, you know, well, there's, there's still, yeah, there's still some work to, and especially when it's still uncertain, like we don't really know if, you know, okay. So here's an interesting stat a year ago at this time, if you're trying to predict what the fed's going to do next, the, the fed themselves predicted in December, 2021, when asked what the fed fed funds rate would be at the end of 2022. So a year ago, they were projecting the end of 2022, uh, do you know what their projection said, David? Tell me. 0.9%. All right. We're at 4.5%. And they yeah. thought we would be at 0.9%. That's the FOMC projections. Eh. Do you know what their their forecast for inflation was? The beginning uh, of last year? The end of last two, year? 2%? Yeah. Exactly what their target was? 2.6%. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it's been it's 7.1% um, to Oof. date. So Oof. Look, um, I don't know. It's, it's just also clear to me that uh, you, you can't always believe what the Fed is projecting. They're just like yeah, kind of doing the math. Yeah, they're just extrapolating the existing right. data of what they want to happen uh, right. always. Um, anyway, that's that's what's happening in macro right now. What's happening in the uh, the housing market, though, David? Yeah, well, it's, it's still a, a macro conversation. There's an article out of Zero Hedge uh, here that, that caught my eye, which the headline was, 9 million millennials moved back at home in with their parents this year. Uh, and I, I think uh, during COVID, a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, millennials, you know, got out of their parents' home and to go, like, do stuff. Uh, and then the Fed jacks up the interest rates, and we're seeing 9 million millennials moving back home. I think that about they, there was a poll inside of the article that was like, all right, why did you move it? And it was all because of the economy. It was like a job insecurity, wanting to save money, can't afford rent. Uh, I so mean, millennials, and they, fi they finally got out of their parents' home from, like, the 2008 crash, and now, like, right. hey, mom, dad, I'm, I'm coming right. back. <laughs> On the backs of that, there's also this uh, chart I saw uh, on Twitter this week about uh, rising share of companies with debt servicing costs that are higher than profits. And of course, when you increase interest rates, if you have debt, you have to pay that debt back higher because the interest rates are going up. Therefore, there's a lot of companies out there that have debts. That, and as the interest rates go up and up and up, a higher and higher share of them are making less profit than they have available to send uh, to pay back their debts, to service their own debts. Right now, Ryan, we are at almost 20 percent of companies inside of the United States with debt servicing costs that are higher than profits. Wow. That seems like a large number. You can't sustain that forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, high interest rates are the zombie killer. That mm -hmm. is like the stake through the head. Right. Uh, so I guess that has wait, to work its way through wait. the system. Too. No, that's not the right metaphor. High stake interest rates are, are create the zombies. They create them, but they, then they also like kill the I guess the zombies can't be killed is the thing. No, right? yeah, the zombie. Yes, when you you go from being a human to a zombie because okay. of interest rates. I see. <laughs> I'm just seeing a world where all of these firms, like they become, they're not even reanimated corpses. They're just dead. They're just yeah. gone. Well, yeah. Because so that's when unemployment. They like people lay people off. Unemployment goes up. Uh, that's when this this goes from uh, rising interest rates and a bear market to rising interest rates and uh, depression. Yep. Uh, and deflation. Said the D word. Inflation. Careful, careful. I'm not ready for that. Sorry, yet. recession, recession. Okay, we'll, we'll stick with that. Um, 
Give us some crypto takes, though. Okay. What does this mean? On, on to crypto takes. So, so this is now about the uh, asset prices of Ether and BTC versus some of the uh, darlings that were of the second half of the bull market, the second half of 2020, uh, 2021. And this is a take from Vance Spencer. Uh, Looking back through the fog of war, the data points that are revealed today uncover the pieces of the puzzle from last year. If FTX was selling client ETH and BTC to buy Solana FTT serum, this has large implications about what organic ETH and Bitcoin price action would have looked like. Uh, And so this is the conversation that's been going on. It's like, oh, billions of inflows, billions of Bitcoin and Ether inflows into FTX, into Sam Bankman Fried slush fund. Where did they go? They uh, a significant amount of uh, those inflows probably went into the Sam coins, Solana, FTT, Serum. Remember when Sam tweeted out, "Sell me all your soul at three dollars and then f off." Well, probably why he was so confident in that is because he was taking customer deposits and buying all of his bags with them. Uh, and so there's a, a broader conversation that the current the, the industry is currently having as to how legitimate some of the price action was in these highly illiquid alt layer one Sam coins. Solana FTT serum and that has second order effects like why are things like Aptos and Sui have insane billion dollar valuations well they rode on the backs of the valuations that Solana got and so because Solana's price action was absolutely insane it created the alt layer one investment like VC coin investment mania to try and ride on the backs of that so Van Spencer is saying this whole the whole second half of the 2021 bull market was fraudulent because it was propped up by this like illicit Ill- illegal fraudulent buying pressure of customer in- inflows of bitcoin and ether into ftx and then sam bankman fried just propping them up and so his second tweet is saying that the absence of a fraudulent seller of bitcoin and eth on the order of tens of billions of dollars the additional absent fraudulent buyer of solana again on the order books of tens of billions of dollars implies very different things about these ecosystems going forward and then he ties this thing off and says the alt layer one thesis of yesteryear was essentially an intellectual framework built around the first mover, Solana, whose initial price ap- appreciation appears to be driven by Sam Bankman frieds fraud. In my opinion, this is extremely damaging to the narrative that any alt layer one price action was organic. Oof, what a, what a, a, a damning a, autopsy of the second half of 2021. It's, uh, I look, I think there's merit to this. I, mm-hmm. um, the, the run-up of alt layer ones, all of them, uh, against ETH and Bitcoin did not make sense to me at the time. It was very confusing. And retrospectively, if people like Sam, well, Sam in particular was actually using depositors funds, ETH and Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and using those funds to actually sell those mm-hmm. assets and exchange them for Solana and some other Sam coins. Which he was wow. using as collateral, by the way. So he had to do that. Like, where did he get such a massive line of collateral? Well, he had collateralized FTT and collateralized sold to, to borrow a ton. Yeah. I mean, the price charts now, they make more sense to me because mm-hmm. like you could see definitely some demand for these ecosystems, but it felt inorganic the entire right. time. And so Vance, uh, in our most recent podcast with Vance a few months ago, he called the, the 2021 bull market, the first half, the high conviction rally, and the second half, the low conviction rally. And so Vance already, his intuition was already like, there's a difference here. There's a difference in these moments. I just also want to call attention to people who have um, been right for a long mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. um, Vance Spencer is one of those people to me. Like he, he kind yeah. of is starting to fit in a Chris Berninski camp for yeah. me of like oh these are voices mm-hmm. i i actually will listen to why because they're they've they're proven over time and they've been yeah. right enough times and yeah. so this is a signal that um uh 
uh, th- that I often Vance use. And I think you could be right here. Coming up next in the show, SBF got arrested. It's such a great day. <laughs> Turns out his 4D chess was just him playing checkers. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, and after we'll cover all of that, we're going to talk about the run on Binance or not. Nah? We'll get to some of the details, how much Bitcoin and how much stablecoins are actually outflowing out of Binance. We got the numbers. And of course, Sam Bankman reads last insult to the industry, secretly buying a cherished media organization. No, not bankless. Um, and <laughs> and just really kicking us on his way out. Uh, so all of that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. The Brave Wallet is your secure multi-chain on-ramp into Web3 and it's built directly into the Brave privacy browser. Gone are the days of managing multiple wallet extensions that put you at risk of phishing, spoofs, and tracking. With the Brave Wallet, you can securely manage your crypto assets across more than 100 different chains, including Ethereum, Layer 2s, Solana, and more, all without downloading risky extensions. The Brave Wallet is easy to set up and removes the headache of jumping between wallets and extensions. It's lightweight, but packed with great features like built-in token swaps, buying and holding NFTs with a gallery view, and support for hardware wallets. But also much more than that, because Brave is shipping new features every single month with a mission to make Web3 easier to navigate for its over 55 million users. Wallet extensions are a thing of the past. So get started with Brave's Web3 Ready browser today and experience a decentralized web seamlessly without all the clutter. You can download the browser at brave.com bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. Ryan, SBF is in jail. How does that make you feel? Well, I was surprised, mm. actually, because what doesn't make sense to me, David, is the whole, like, aw shucks, <laughs> I, gee, I didn't know anything about this speaking tour that he's been on, mm-hmm. Good Morning America, and I was mm-hmm. like, what does this guy know that we don't? Does right. he have some kind of a get out of jail free card? Does he have some sort of bulletproof armor? We don't know. And so I was surprised. Uh, I'm not sure that much more makes sense. Um, su- surprised, but also like relieved, like uh, cool. You know, uh, you actually can't escape f- from accountability mm-hmm. after stealing $10 billion of, you know, dollars of, of money, no matter who you pay off. Um, so it made me feel kind of good to actually see uh, some accountability here. How about you? Is that why you're wearing your SpongeBob uh, sweater? Celebra- celebratory? Yeah, man. I mean, like it's like I've been saying, you got to be happy and optimistic, even though we're at the bottom because we're at the bottom. Uh, and so when somebody like SBF gets arrested, it's like, man, we are turning a new page. Uh, the seller that sold all of our tokens is in jail. The seller is in jail. Uh, so that makes me happy. That's something worth being happy about. Like, look at that guy just getting escorted into a car by a bunch of Bahamian uh, policemen. That That's is where he a, was arrested, right? In, great, the yeah, in, the, in the Bahamas. Yeah. This is uh, footage. Yeah. Crazy that like he look didn't. At this, look how many people they sent. Yeah. They sent they sent a lot of policemen. What yeah. did they expect? I mean, this, this is like uh, pff, almost a dozen. 
Yeah, at least in this one shot. Yeah, from from what we can tell. Uh, and so, okay, so so here's what happened. Uh, the Bahamian regulators, the Bahamian authorities, release a statement. On December 12th, the Office of the Attorney General of the Bahamas is announcing the arrest by the Royal Bahamas Police Force of SBF, of FTX. SBF's arrest followed the receipt of formal notification from the United States that it has filed criminal charges against SBF and is likely to request his extradition. So the United States has filed charges against Sam. And as a result of that, they have not yet requested his extradition, but you could only assume. And so because that he is being charged by the United States, uh, the Bahamian police arrested him. Okay, so he's arrested. He's in jail in the Bahamas, yet to be extradited. Um, does, is there like bail? Does he have the ability to make bail? Has he tried that? I mean, he's, I know he has a, only 100000 in his account, uh, so <laughs> Allegedly. he says. Allegedly. But um, what, what's that looking like? Uh, yeah, no bail for Mr. SBF. If he, if he wanted to flee to a country that didn't have an extradition treaty with the United States, that window has officially closed. Uh, and so he will uh, officially be judged inside the United States uh, by a court. Um, unlike, by the way, Thero's Capital, who is in a country with no uh, with no extradition treaty. So uh, SBF has been charged with wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud conspiracy, and money laundering. That's a lot. That's a lot of things. <laughs> That's a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, the- if you are interested, uh, if uh, you are tallying up the years for if he is guilty for all of those things, if he char- becomes guilty for all of, the, of those things, that is life. That's life in prison. If he max gets, charge, I max charge. I, I, it's like something like 120 years or something like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so not not anyway. life in prison, but 120 years. Uh, so the rest of his life. Yeah, that of course is max charge, is though, max which charge. is hardly ever. He's happens. not yet guilty for those. Look, there was some discussion around this, and I don't I don't know. Uh, one of the conspiracy theories when he was arrested, uh, the, like the night he was arrested, was mm-hmm. that well he was supposed to appear in Congress the very next day. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was some kind of block f- right. from him appearing in Congress. He was uh, going to testify in in a in a hearing, but he that was voluntary. Is there any substance to that? Do you think that there's still some shenanigans going on with like, oh, this is the way to get him out of testifying in front of I Congress? Don't, that does that take doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the worst now, thing. Now he has to, to like swear under oath in a court of law about what happened rather than a willing like and yeah. volunteer testimony. Like whatever. <laughs> that take didn't make sense to me. There's another take which is like, uh, oh, clearly Caroline ratted him out. Yeah, uh, and yeah. has some sort of plea bargain. Mm-hmm. Now that, that that makes more sense to me, but mm-hmm. I, I have no evidence that that's true. Do you well, have she any thoughts was, on that? She, she was seen in New York, blocks away from the attorney general's office, um, like oh, two yeah. weeks in ago, like a Starbucks or in a, bakery a Starbucks or something. Yeah, and so then huh. and then then uh, crypto Twitter deduced that that particular Starbucks or some bakery or whatever uh, just was, up my was just croissant. like eight <laughs> blocks away from like the attorney general's office. So like yeah, picking up a croissant and routing out her business business partner i mean <laughs> wow. remember like one at least one of these people is a complete psychopath uh and so at least <laughs> probably at least and so uh and so when it comes time to not go to jail somebody cr- is going to like burn their dilemma yeah, exactly. uh, come yeah. on like we we know we know what this is already <laughs> it's, that makes perfect sense to me mm-hmm. uh, and, and remind people caroline was the ceo of alameda right exactly she ceo was, of okay. alameda yeah uh, allegedly uh, sbf's short-term girlfriend and also fellow adderall consumer not only is he being inve- uh, put in jail and under charge for the financial crimes you listed, but the CFTC has a bone to pick with him too. It's all kind of co-releasing on the same day. Another mm-hmm. set of charges from the Commodities Futures and Trading Commission. What is this? Yeah, they are suing Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX Trading, FTX.com, and Alameda Research against the CFTC. 
uh, for all for commodities fraud. Yeah. And so uh, SDNY is also suing uh, Sam Bankman Freed. They uh, had their indictment that was just unsealed the morning after they uh, arrested him, charging Sam with four counts of wire fraud, two accounts of commodities fraud, one account of money laundering and one count of campaign vi- <laughs> finance violation. Wow. Uh, pro- probably more than that. So eight total counts. Uh, yeah, that guy is going to jail. Did you know, Ryan, that uh, in apparently in the FTX inner circles on Signal, there was a group chat. Uh, called that they had titled wire fraud and they were using it to send secret information about operations in the lead up to the company's spectacular wait a, a group chat between uh sam F- sam and a bunch FTX of other insiders. and they decided it was called wire fraud they, they, as a I'm, haha funny joke exactly yes they just titled it How wire I, fraud which <laughs> is probably where they did the wire fraud i mean that's going to be obviously presented in court it's like <laughs> this is a bunch of a your bunch honor of i it didn't really, know Look, okay, so here's the take. It's just, it really was a whole bunch of children, David. It was like, a bunch of children. Here's, there was a it's lot so of, so there's some speculation that turned out not to be true. One one piece of speculation so far anyways was that this guy's going to get away with it completely because mm-hmm. he paid off the politicians and he bought the media institutions and he bribed everyone and so he'll never go to jail, right? That was one take. Mm-hmm. Well, my thought was just like, we should wait a little bit. We've mm-hmm. waited a little bit and now here he is in jail. So- that doesn't seem to be playing out. The other right. take was that SBF with his media tour, he's playing some kind of 4D chess where he's trying to garner public support. He's trying to like uh, gain sympathy. And he, this is why he went on Good Morning America and did that like Bloomberg. He showed up in a, you know, um, a Wall Street Journal, CNBC interview, like the week after all of these things, it just wasn't making sense. So people were like, he's playing 4D chess. David, I think we can say at this point this man was not playing 4D chess. He is a child. He is a kid. Yep. He got in way over his head. He had no idea what the F he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and now he's in jail. And that yeah. is the like the conclusion of that, in my opinion. I can't believe it though, mm-hmm. that um we let a child manage yeah. billions mm-hmm. of of uh like of crypto's capital. Like yeah. we gave him all of these pro- like I don't mean yep. you and I, but like the industry writ large. We gave this child access to our private keys. What a massive mistake that turned out to be. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, well, lesson learned. Uh, and <laughs> at, at least my faith in society and justice is restored. At least we are not as a society totally, completely corrupt. Although all of the like uh, very sketchy, uh, terrible investigative journalism that was done by mainstream media, I think we could go back and, and cast another eye on why the hell that happened. But at least our justice system was not duped by this fraud, uh, which is the important thing. That is important as well. And so there are some hearings going on uh, on Capitol Hill as well. Should we turn into this one from uh, Representative Tom Emmer, who's been on the Bankless podcast before? Yeah, let's let's hear what Tom Emmer has to say. Uh, and Mr. Ray, I appreciate you mentioning uh, your concerns in the beginning of my questioning about the concentration of power in a small group of individuals with no oversight. That is the exact problem that open and permissionless technology like crypto and blockchain solve. Oof. It solves for the problems of centralization. You stated in your testimony that you've never seen such a, quote, utter failure of corporate controls at every level of an organization, from the lack of financial statements to a complete failure of any internal controls or governance whatsoever. Close quote. FTX had disastrous or even non-existent systems for accounting, 
audit, cash management, cybersecurity, human yep. resources, risk management, and other unacceptable management practices that currently make your job to uncover the facts quite difficult. Fortunately, the immutable characteristics of public blockchains that some people would care not to understand in this committee allowed yes. the crypto community to reveal Sam Bankman-Fried's fraud and the on-chain public record will assist law enforcement moving forward. I encourage my colleagues to understand Sam Bankman-Fried's con for what it is, a failure of centralization, a failure of business ethics, and a crime. It is not a failure of technology. I've worked across the aisle since I came to Congress, so the future of crypto reflects American values, the same way the Internet does today. For the most engaged members of Congress on crypto policy, the FTX collapse remind us of why we care so deeply about this technology. Decentralization is the point. Thank you, Woo! and I yield there we go. My God. That's hot. I am Decentralization hot is wow. the point. I'm pretty right. sure I remember a few of us tweeting that out during the middle <laughs> of the bull market. Well, he's paying attention. I mean, guys, mm -hmm. remember, Tom Emmer has been on the podcast. We've had this conversation with mm -hmm. him. This is this is him on Capitol Hill talking about it. That was um, the the former former CEO of FTX. Was that John, mm -hmm. John Ray? Yeah. That, mm -hmm. Who was a, yeah. kind of uh, the witness on the stand there? All right, David, this is Tom Emmer again, this time on the SEC. You ready for this clip? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. We know that uh, Chair Gensler had more meetings with FTX than anyone else in the crypto industry. We understand that what was being negotiated was a framework for digital asset exchange registration and token registration with the SEC that would benefit both Ooh. parties. It would expand the SEC's jurisdiction in exchange for the SEC's preferential treatment of FTX over other wow. industry participants. We understand there was a lot of activity to move this idea forward, including the circulation of draft short-form disclosures that would enable filers to get tokens listed on this newly formed bespoke Ooh. exchange. Mr. Ray, I know you're handicapped with the information you currently have obtained, but Chair Gensler refuses to answer our questions or testify before this committee. Will you commit to sharing with this committee any internal documents you come across regarding communication between FTX and Mr. Gensler or others at the SEC? We're, we'll fully cooperate you know, with uh, the committee and the regulatory authorities with respect to our investigation. Again, specifically, I just want copies. Of, this committee will want copies of those communications we to the extent they exist. We can certainly work with your staff to get you what you need. <sighs> certainly work damning. with your staff to get damning. you what you need. Oh. God, what a what a hero. God damn. But man, is that so damning of Gary Gensler. A quid pro quo agreement with FTX to hand over the keys of crypto to the SEC in exchange for preferential treatment and the ability for Sam to make his Sam coins, all of his like all of his like portfolio basically. The thumbs up from Gary Gensler. Wow, that does that's not a good look. That is uh, what uh, I think. If uh, I was a lawyer, Ryan, I would call that a bad fact. <laughs> that that sounds like a bad fact. We'll see as the evidence comes out. But um, if the evidence comes out and that proves to be the case, that is very damning. I think for the SEC and, and Gensler in this case. Mm -hmm. um, this is a clip from Kevin O'Leary mm -hmm. testifying at the Senate hearing, and uh, I think you've called this, David. This clip might be actually the worst take of the year one of the worst things a, i've heard this a, year should we play this a tall mountain to sorry uh, that is a 
If this is, Ryan, the worst take of the year, there's been a lot of bad takes this year. So let's let the listeners decide. Why do you believe FTX failed? I have an opinion. I don't have the records. Here it is. These two behemoths that own the unregulated market together and grow these incredible businesses in terms of growth. That's Binance and FTX. Each other. And one put the other out of business intentionally. Now, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's nothing wrong with love and war. But Binance is a massive, unregulated, global monopoly now. They put FTX out of business. No, they Bro. did not. Bro. No, what? they did not. What? Sam oh Bankman-Fried put himself out of business. Uh, look, Binance, who knows what Binance was doing, but if SBF and FTX actually had the funds that they claimed to have, if they weren't playing around with depositors' money, a run on the bank wouldn't have been successful. How are you blaming that on Binance and CZ? I don't understand that take, David. CZ was like, he wasn't the whistleblower, but you don't blame the guy who expresses public criticism that accidentally tipped over a massive house of cards. The crazy thing is, is Kevin O'Leary was paid $15 million to be a public spokesperson, aka paid shill for FTX. Mr. O'Leary, I am going to inform you that FTX is not an institution anymore and SBF is in jail and you do not have to com com continue to fulfill your contract as the paid spokesperson. And you should probably... You can stop. That can be clawed back as well. Like yeah. you have no incentive to Give do this. It back. I don't know why you're trying to ruin your reputation what? in front of all of America, in front of the US Senate by saying these ludicrous things. Absolutely insane. David, but let's all just take some, like let's all take some personal accountability. Mm -hmm. No one forced... Sam Bankman-Fried to steal depositors' funds. Right. No one forced him to do that. Mm -mm. That wasn't like some competitor playing dirty games. This right. was all Sam. Let's it's all Sam and yeah. and probably a few others who definitely enabled him. To really wrap this up, uh, I want to bring up this tweet from Anthony Cesano, who t uh, tweeted out: "SBF down, Suzu, Kyle Davies, and Doquan are hopefully next." Uh, I think this is the year of hopefully the, the reckoning, right? Like scammers infiltrated our industry in the last bull market. Uh, Suzu and Kyle Davies definitely committed fraud. Uh, Doquan, I mean, uh, algorithmic stablecoin. He didn't know. He definitely kind of knew. Uh, <laughs> but like, man, like let's get these people charged and in jail, please. We live in a society. Yeah, uh, crypto definitely has to take out the trash a little yeah. bit and we have to have a purge. Um, we have to be introspective about um, how this happened. Mm -hmm. uh, David, on his way out, his parting gift, and I hope this is the last thing he leaves us, it turned out, we found out last Friday that SBF secretly funded the crypto news site, The Block, yeah. media institution. The way he did that was uh, pretty shady. Do you want to explain? Yeah, so the, the news here is that the CEO of the block, Michael McCaffrey, uh, resigned after failing to disclose $43 million of loans from FTX to the block. These loans were apparently kept secret from the employees, as McCaffrey was the only member on the board of the block. Uh, one $16 million batch of funding from Alameda was used in part to 
financed the purchasing of an apartment in the Bahamas, one of those Bahamian real estates, for the Block CEO, Mike McAfee. Uh, he has, again, since uh, stepped down. Uh, Morin, the chief, I, I think, uh, revenue officer, finance officer of the Block, has taken over McAfee's role as CEO and will look to restructure the Block to buy out McAfee's stake in the company. This is was crazy to me, Ryan. The, blo- the company, the Block, isn't profitable. And I previously raised over $4 million to support the company. Its revenue, mostly from ads and subscriptions, is expected to be about $20 million this year, a source told, uh, told Axio, who we are reporting with right now. Um, and uh, so a couple quotes from people that worked at the block. Mike never asked me or anyone in research to cover FTX or SBF in any particular way or anyone else for that matter. We had complete discretion in our job. So this is Larry Cermak out of the block, who's who's gen- very well respected in, in the, in the uh crypto spheres. Uh, additionally, another uh, editor-in-chief, Sarah Copet, said, I'm proud of the work our journalists have done, especially covering the fallout of the XBX implosion. Uh, and then um, uh, continues in saying, in my time, Mike has never had any undue influence on the newsroom. We've always been completely independent. Uh, Frank Shaparo, who is head of news at the, the block, I believe, also had some public statements. Basically, SBF secretly bought the block uh, and did a deal with the, the CEO, bought him a... a, a bribed him bribed with an him, apartment. Basically. And then the employees of the block uh, f- uh, said that they all, no one knew any of this. Um, yeah, that's the news. Uh, yeah, that's the news. I, I do feel bad. I know there are people of integrity at the block. I feel bad Big for time. them. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they were caught by surprise by this. Uh, and that has to be absolutely uh, devastating. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's terrible. It's bad for the industry. I mean, what was Sam planning to do with this crypto media institution that he kind of shadow owned through mm-hmm. shell companies and through bribes through the block CEO? You know, it was for a purpose. You know, there had to be some return on that investment in the form of good press because that's what he was up to in traditional media. Um, and to see that corruption take take hold in crypto media, you know, it's it was when I heard about this, David, I was like, it it almost brought me down to those November lows when I was right. like just really Rex, upset yeah. about this whole thing because like for so long we've been talking about, hey, uh, traditional media is not covering crypto the way it needs to be covered. Let's go crypto media. Crypto right. media. That's an answer to this. And um, you know, that's that's the flag that Bankless is carrying and like Defiance mm-hmm. and uh, Blockworks and some others. Uh, and then here we are, one of the crypto media um, publications just have, you know, corruption uh, from from the inside out. And um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's very unfortunate. I hope they get over this. I hope the good people at the block are, are able to uh, kind of forge past this and and rebuild. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, quite. Uh, I, I do know that like Larry, uh, Stephen, Frank, they all uh, I've always thought that they were upstanding individuals. On net, the, some of the conversations in the space were are like, yes, uh, they're they're great investigative journalists, they're great at being impartial. But on net, like the block, the people at the block all did seem to the, the, these are not my words, simp for Sam and the SBF coins, and like Mike Dudas, former owner of the block, big Solana bull. So there's like alignment with that now like kind of axis the sam coins ftx axis that like even though they appeared to be very like uh forthcoming and and, um uh impartial ethical ethical, they also were like in that axis of of crypto that was aligned with sam and so there's like we don't really know know any of the details it's hard hard it's it's very hard to know yeah and who knew what like it's kind of crazy like people like 
people know about like the financials of a company like how how where do they think the money came from like why were any questions I don't know asked? I'm just has I I just don't know that's the thing no one like knows. I will say one thing that um David my my kind of circle of trust has definitely contracted uh in crypto from what it used to be like I I mean mm-hmm. crypto's always had this thing is like um verify don't trust right? right and I've always kind of lived by that but like as you get to know people, as you kind of meet these mm-hmm. institutions, you start to trust more and more people. That that circle of trust has like definitely decreased By a uh, lot, here lately yeah. for me personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. We'll just have to let long-term reputations speak for themselves and, and that'll be the true test. It's the Lindy effect. Yes. Um, yes. So the Block CEO has resigned. All right, what else we got? Um, we've okay, got- Okay, so Binance, Binance, the Binance bank run. Okay, so the Justice Department, Ryan, has turned their eyes over to Binance and apparently are weighing uh, the charges against Binance and its executives, whether or not they should charge them with stuff. And has this kinda- precipitated a bank run? Because this, yes. these charges are going in the press and so people are like, uh-oh, uh, Binance is the next to, to, to um, mm-hmm. fall. And so they're starting like massive withdrawals from Binance. Uh, perhaps, yeah. So U.S. Department uh, continuing to weigh up charges against crypto exchange giant Binance for possible money laundering and criminal sanctions violations, according to Reuters. Uh, and so as a result of this, and I mean, see, I don't know if you've been following CZ lately, doing a lot of the whole like main, main character thing. Uh, and so as a result of that, there have been uh, all-time high outflows of uh, out of Binance. Here's uh, Nick Carter, who t- also tweeted out, I'm not the arbiter of proof of reserves or anything, but I also find Binance's proof of reserves a bit questionable, mm. writing an article soon. Uh, and so there was an article out about uh, Binance's proof of reserves. Uh, and the, the headline of this article is Binance's alleged crypto audit failed, not even its auditor would vouch for it. And the, the subtitle is Binance says an audit shows proof of reserves of customer funds, but its auditor will not vouch for the reserves nor the methodology demanded by Binance. So this has, you know, people there very recent memory about the insolvency of exchange. And so as a result of this, there are the largest outflows out of Binance. 40,000 Bitcoin has flowed out of Binance in the last 24 hours uh, this week or so. Uh, And then, but also, Ryan, important to note that the remaining balance on Binance is 580,000 bitcoins. So 40,000 outflows, not that crazy. Uh, 200 to or 2.2 billion dollars of stable coins flew uh, outflowed out of Binance. The remaining balance is 20 billion. So while there are all-time highs of stablecoin outflows, there are 20 billion dollars of stablecoins reportedly left in Binance. And so like it's uh, people are doing the whole bankless thing, which is great. Uh, but I mean, the if this is a run on the bank, it's a pretty weak one. Well, like if it first of all, if it's a run on the bank and uh, Binance has all of the deposits, nothing to worry about. There's no such yeah. thing as a run on the bank because it's fully reserved. You only have to worry about run on the banks when it's a fractional system. And yeah. Binance says they're not fractional, yeah. but can you trust them? Can you trust any bank? We, what we say is, if crypto bank now your keys not your coin, use an exchange, then get out. That's how you should be mm-hmm. using these crypto exchanges. But then when you zoom out, and this is um, this is Nick Carter's tweet again. This this is a bank run at Binance that you're all hyperventilating about. Like, look at the numbers here. It's, it's kind of a like barely a, a blip. It's a blip, yeah. There's not really a Binance bank run. That's kind mm-hmm. of the thing. It's like kind of overplayed. Like just Bitcoin reserves are down, but they're down to like May levels, David. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, Binance reserves are almost at all time highs. ETH, uh, ETH reserves are it's, down you can't even to July it. numbers, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is not really a, a thing. I think it's uh, much ado about nothing. But like, so far, anyway. But look, I, that's the thing. But, with, but the, uh, do we know that those are the reserves? We no. don't actually know. Are those, we is don't. that on-chain data? 
I don't know if that's on-chain data or not. Um, yeah, I like don't know for sure, but so can you trust Binance? I mean, go bankless. Uh, can you trust any yeah. crypto exchange? Just just go bankless. You, Use these yeah. exchanges for, for what don't they're Don't ask the question, for. just withdraw. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just go bankless. Um, but also, I do feel like there's some scrutiny here that is maybe just like, you know, the, the nation state I have Sauron saying, oh, we missed FTX, better not miss these right. guys. And what? Oh, they're, they're a foreign company. They don't have public financials. They're non-US. US. Uh, mm -hmm. They must be shady. Don't like them. Uh, and so maybe there's some of that reaction going on too. So it's, it's hard to know at this stage, but we'll see. Hard, hard to know. All right. Well, that was all of the SBF exchange drama, all that stuff. That's over. Coming up next, MetaMask lands a huge partnership. We'll talk about that. Uh, and there is a lawsuit, Ryan. I don't know if you caught this this week. A lawsuit against basically every celebrity who owns a board ape. It's not looking good. Uh, and then they, we got the three arrows capital redemption arc, but it's coming to an end. I'm having none of it. Uh, and of course... Donald Trump launches an NFT collection. So I'm sure the listener is going to stay tuned for all of that right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help us go bankless. Sequence is the all-in-one developer platform you need to build Web3 games and applications. For your users, Sequence is a smart wallet and it's the easiest, most intuitive onboarding your users will ever experience and comes with all the features users need to feel empowered in the Web3 world. Multi-chain support, NFT display, and users can buy SFTs, NFTs, and crypto directly with a credit or debit card. For developers, Sequence is the plug-and-play platform for Web3 games and apps. Their APIs let you bring NFTs, SFTs, and tokens tokens into your game or application. And the Sequence Relayer enables gasless transactions for your users. Sequence already powers some of the best Web3 games like Skyweaver, NFT projects like CoolCats, and marketplaces like NiftySwap. And Sequence is compatible with all the EVM chains, including Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum, Optimism, and Avalanche. So go to sequence.xyz bankless to start building or speak with the Sequence team today. If you've been listening to Bankless, you know that we're fans of the modular blockchain thesis. The idea that blockchains will separate execution from data availability and consensus, allowing all three to become the best versions of themselves. And Fuel has built the fastest modular execution layer in the industry. By supporting parallel transaction execution, Fuel unlocks significantly faster throughput for the Web3 world. Fuel also goes beyond the limitations of the EVM with its own Fuel VM which is more efficient and optimized, opening up the design space for developers. And lastly, Fuel brings a powerful developer experience with its own domain-specific language, Sway, and a supportive tool chain called Fork. With Fuel, you can have the benefits of smart contract languages like Solidity while adopting the improvements made by the Rust tooling ecosystem, letting the Fuel development environment go beyond the limitations of the EVM. If you want to learn more, there's a link in the show notes to see how you can get involved with the Fuel network. Biggest news of the week here, David, in my opinion. It's optimistic news. This is MetaMask tweeting out. Our US users will now be able to fund their wallet with ETH via who? PayPal. PayPal. Rolling out in the US in the next few weeks. PayPal plus MetaMask, a combination I didn't think would happen to like 2025 or right. beyond. It's now available. So you can get mm -hmm. ETH in your MetaMask wallet. Is that what this means? That's exactly what this means. And so I'm just loving how direct this flow of funds is. So PayPal, uh, which hooks into your bank account and then hooks into your MetaMask address uh, and doesn't even have to be your MetaMask address. It can be your ledger inside of MetaMask. So you can go from bank account to your ledger 
via the partnership between MetaMask and PayPal. Uh, the previous MetaMask onboarding, like on ramps, have been like our crypto natives, like MoonPay, like Wire. Uh, I mean, it's hard to beat PayPal. Uh, I've always been frustrated by like how small that pipeline is from funds into through MetaMask. Credit card fees inside of MetaMask were like 2.5%. It's expensive. It's super if you're doing expensive. That, involved, that, right? that pipe was super constricted. Now, with a PayPal partnership inside of MetaMask, that, that flow of is just way bigger. Yeah. So, and look, you can skip. You can skip the FTX yeah. in the middle. You don't even have to. Like, you just yeah. go from your bank directly to MetaMask. Yep. Uh, that's a great thing for fiat on ramp into DeFi. Um, David, this is cool too. This is Yesterday huge. was officially decided, kind of the ETH governance world, that EIP 4844, which is proto dank sharding, which just to remind you, mm -hmm. scales layer twos on Ethereum absolutely massively what is this like a 10x gain or is yes. this like a 10, 10x gain is like the floor it's really it, it can be as high as 100x depending on, on how 10 to 100x yeah. gain and so it was decided that eip 4844 will be included in ethereum that's official now that's not the next ethereum hard fork right i think mm -hmm. the next hard fork is probably still just going There's to be withdrawals, withdrawals. yes which is good. We need that. But this could be a hard fork coming this year yes. that we get EIP 4844. I think more work needs to be done. So there's no official timeline yet, but that's the possibility. There's, well, there's never any official timeline because that's, True. How, we, that's, that's how we live our lives in Ethereum. But it is uh, Liam, who's privy to these conversations, Liam Horn at, at Optimism. He says it will be in a fast follow hard fork fast after follow. Shanghai. So no specific dates, but the roadmap is a fast follow. <laughs> uh Yes, as Gandalf says, a wizard is never late. Exactly. He arrives exactly. precisely on time. So does Ethereum uh, updates. What's this, David? We're looking so, yeah, at just more, more layer two stuff. Optimism has all time high in transactions yet again. Oh, God, that is just great. They're, the layer twos have been Going in up. a bull market, a transactional bull market ever since their existence. Did you know? Is anyone talking about it? Bankless no. is talking about it. Yes. Uh, Arbitrum and Optimism, when you add their transactions together, you almost get an equivalent amount of transaction volume as the Ethereum main chain itself. Uh, and that is just those two layer twos. When you add in the rest of them, all the, the network of layer twos on top of Ethereum, you auto, you automatically, you, you definitely get beyond uh, Ethereum layer one in transactional volume. Layer twos are just absolutely crushing it. There's always a bull market somewhere, like I like to say. Yes, uh, Vitalik said something similar too in our conversation with him uh, about bullishness on layer twos. Mm -hmm. It's coming out Monday. David, you were really excited about uh, this this Phi application. What is Phi? Yeah, so Phi underscore X Y Z on Twitter or Phi Land uh, is announcing that they main, main net is here. Uh, so what is Phi? It is like an evolution on DGen score. So what is DGen score? You would load up your wallet. It would give you a number, which would like give you a resume. It's like, how DGen are you? Like, what what did you go? Like, what food farms did you ape into? Like, it's like a resume. Like, how how much did you do on Ethereum? Uh, I remember, I think, talking to Vance Spencer, actually. He was like, yeah, somebody, some applicant came into uh, framework offices and applied for a job. And he showed us like a DGen score of like four. Lower is better, by the way. That means you're the fourth most DGen person on Ethereum. And we hired him instantly. <laughs> Anyways, um, so for on-chain resume, people. It's yes, yeah, on-chain resume. Okay, so Phi is a digital landscape. It's like an eight by eight grid, but it, but I'm sure you can make it bigger. And because of what your Ethereum address has done, uh, that you load up into Phi, you can uh, claim little units of land. Uh, and so because I've traded on Uniswap, I have a little Uniswap trophy. Because I've traded a lot on Uniswap, I have a big Chad Uniswap trophy. Do you really? Can I, I do. see yours? Yeah. Uh, okay, so. The, you can see the one that I have at davidhoffman.eth. I'm not showing the one that is on my secret wallet. 
Uh, is it awesome? The one in your it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I and know so, you really want to show that though. Yeah, I know. And so like the, the gas truck on the bottom right, the two by one gas truck. This is truck, yours. Based this is on mine. Your this is mine. This is my uh, DeFi Web3 yes. traffic. Yeah. So I've used Optimism. I've used Uniswap. Some of these are free just to populate the land. Um, that gas truck on the bottom right, I got by spending more than one ETH on gas. Uh, the uh, open sea That's ship. not something to be proud of, David. <laughs> That's a waste. That you're wasting your ETH. You're spending it. You should be saving it. Sorry, brother. Uh, got <laughs> <laughs> got to buy the NFTs, the, uh, the OpenSea uh, ship in the top left. I got that yeah. one for buying, like, I think five NFTs on OpenSea. This is awesome. Yeah, it's right. So it, it's a place of the way to visually showcase your on-chain activity. It's like your on-chain footprint. This is cool. And these look like chess pieces here. These are just apps yeah, those, those are used. Those are actual call, actually called chess pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're called chess pieces. This mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, so how'd you get this like bank vault? Uh, that thing? one's a freebie. That one's just a, a free to, to populate your land. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, the, that's the highest one. Is that yeah. like a dog on top of this building? This yeah. is really fun. Yeah. It's, it's super cute. Uh, the, the designer, uh, if you're, if people are familiar with the nouns ecosystem, uh, one of the same artists behind nouns DAO. Uh, and so uh, it was like one of the first times like I've had fun on Ethereum in a really long time. And this also plays into one of the things that we're talking about with Vitalik on the show is like identity. This is an mm. identity application. Yeah, uh, this is what identity looks like when you separate it from the social security number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is my identity. So <laughs> it's cool. No customer deposits, no yield, mm. just like a playing on a fun little cute little landscape. I thought it was pretty fun. That's pretty cool. We have a disclosure here too, don't we, David? Yes, we do have a disclosure. Both Ryan and I are investors in Fi, uh, uh, and so yeah. Now, proud, proud investor, you know that that's yeah. a great app. Nice job, yeah. team. That's really cool. Uh, what about this DeFi central bank? That's what they call MakerDAO these days. Not quite a central bank. Yeah. Eh, whatever. It's a good name. They relaunched their one percent fixed yield for Dai holders. Mm-hmm. People are like, just one percent. I'm yeah. like, one percent, but like. You know what more do you want? All the eight percent right. yield we had is gone. Yeah. It's gone into smoke. That's pretty mm-hmm. darn expensive from a risk return perspective. Uh, this is back to old times, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Dai used to have an interest rate. Now it does again. Yeah, and it's also important that that one percent is not being paid for by somebody else. That is being paid for by the protocol. Oh, no Ponzi. It, no Ponzi. No Ponzi. Huh. Yes. How? Back to fundamentals. You gotta love it. <laughs> is that why it's only one percent? <laughs> yes, because it's sustainable. Yeah. Uh, okay. So long-term uh, DeFi Ethereum veterans will remember the Dai savings rate, which got turned off uh, as soon as interest rates in inside of crypto uh, went to zero. Do you remember uh, how juicy that baby was back in 2018? Yeah, it was. It was like seven Double or eight percent. Yeah because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, DAI was trading below a peg for so long. Mm-hmm. Is it, t- it traded down to like 94 cents or something. Anyways, mm-hmm. the DAI savings rate is back. You can get a, uh, a risk-free 1%. And when I say risk-free, I mean no counterparty risk. There's other risks out there like smart contract protocol risk, risk yeah. protocol risk. But uh, in the same way that ETH staking is risk-free, uh, MakerDAO's DAI savings rate is also risk-free and that DAI savings rate is up to 1%. Anyways, moving on. Uh, tweet out of Sazzle that I thought was really, really cool. It was talking about the you know how interest rates are, are turning over, Ryan? Like yes. starting to peak. Uh, yes. Daily OFAC compliant blocks are oh. also turning over. Uh, and so I was told that would go to 100% and never yeah, right? change. Yeah. Well, we're so the non OFAC compliant blocks are on the up, and Sazzle puts out uh, his little uh, analysis as to why that's the case, and it's because of so many so many other things that just made me not really worry about censorship in the first place. Flashbots open sourcing their relay and builder infrastructure. More non censoring relayers coming online. Relayers accepting submissions from external builders, uh, and then also people using Flashbots new innovation MinBid. Uh, the like OFAC compliance has David. never been a, a real thing in Ethereum. Do you know who's not worried away. about OFAC compliance at all in Ethereum? Uh, 
That's Justin Drake. Oh, yeah. How do I know that? Yes. Bankless Bulls episode with Justin Drake, Drake, oh Anthony Sassano, and DC Investor that comes out the 26th. Let me tell you guys, it's bullish. It's very so bullish. If you it's thought we were bullish. gonna quit recording, no. putting out podcasts during the holidays, you thought wrong. I'm only getting more bullish. <laughs> <laughs> Bankless don't stop. Uh David. Big news here, all big right? News. <laughs> big, the big, 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 big news. Of course, on truthsocial.com, uh, this is a Donald Trump official announcement mm -hmm. that he is getting into the NFT market. Uh, good time to get in, I think, when the market's down, David, but he is rolling up a Trump digital trading card collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Trump cards. Collect your Trump cards here for the low, low price of $99 per card. Uh, God, this you can buy it buy it via credit card. This this, this, <laughs> this looks website very... is so perfectly built for Trump's base. This, uh, <laughs> this uh, looks very very um, oh, sweepstakes bonuses. Uh, it, yeah, it's you, you got it all here. I actually if, I, if down, I saw David, this, if somebody sent me this like NF as website, it's like, hey, yo, should I buy this NFT? I'd be like, yo, yes. this is a scam, bro. Um, this but is a scam. To, to each their own. Uh, there, he's pulling some some leafs out of Gary V's book. So if you, there are certain NFTs that you could buy. Uh, Miami dinner with Donald Trump. Spend a memorable evening in Miami for an exclusive dinner hosted by Trump. Uh, or you could get the Mar-a-Lago cocktail hour, which is an NFT of Trump in a spacesuit. Experience a meet and greet with Trump in his luxurious private Palm Beach resort. Play golf with Trump and your friends. Join Donald on the green for an exclusive one hour of golf with your two mm. closest friends. Wow. Wow. I want the NFT that, that makes it so he doesn't run for president again. <laughs> I don't think that NFT exists. I just love how all of these NFTs, like most of them, has, have Donald Trump in an extremely ho heroic outfit <laughs> and pose. This is influencer NFT world. Do you know, okay, so um, this is deployed because I've read the FAQs on what is it which chain is it which chain polygon polygon i <laughs> got the trump nfts um you know i'm just surprised it took trump so long yeah uh, honestly, honestly so. like yeah he feels it kind of feel like late to the game but you know to each their own trump uh, nfts are here uh you can buy them of course he did free, not free get market. the digital collectible memo he is still branding these things as nfts he did not oh, get really? the, the rebrand yeah he forgot to rebrand he yeah. trump still bullish nfts yeah still uh, bullish on bullish? nfts yeah. mm -hmm. question mark i don't know uh all right we got this. This is a story you want to dig into. Celebrity yeah. promoters yeah. sued over Bored Ape NFT endorsements. What is going on here? Mm -hmm. So we, we, I, we were always suspicious that these celebrities weren't intrinsically bullish on Bored Apes. Uh, it was much more likely that they were given a Bored Ape and then they were able to talk about it in pop culture. Turns out it gets even more shady than that. Very much more shady. Uh, so this particular suit names Jimmy Fallon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Justin Bieber, Madonna, Kevin Hart, Stephen Curry, Snoop Dogg, Serena Williams, Post Malone, The Weeknd, and Fallon's production company, Electric Hot Dog, and Universal TV. Those are the defendants. This is what who is being named in the suit and claims that most of them were recruited by talent manager Guy Osiri, who spearheaded a scheme with Yuga Labs to discreetly pay them for their endorsements through crypto firm MoonPay. So uh, Guy Osiri, he's a talent manager in Hollywood, talent manager for like all like many of the people I just listed, also Madonna and U2. And Osiri is allegedly linked to several of the celebrity promoters through their early investments in MoonPay. So by increasing the 
demand for Board Apes Yacht Club's NFTs and Yuga Labs Ape Coin crypto token. The suit alleges that they also increased demand for MoonPay. So there is just this incestuous network of Yuga Labs, MoonPay, and all of these celebrities. Like, hey, MoonPay, we're going to give celebrities Board Apes, and then we're also going to do that through your payment services. And so we're going to pay celebrities for that through MoonPay to induce demand for MoonPay. We'll talk about MoonPay. Uh, and so, quote from this article, Osiri, the MoonPay defendants, and the promoted defendants each shared strong motive to use their influence to artificially create demand for the Yuga securities, which in turn would increase use of wait, MoonPay's crypto wait, payment service. Wait, the Yuga securities? They're, they're calling them securities, yeah. Why uh, would it, like, the NFTs are securities? Yes, so yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, well, well, Yuga Labs is being, being I'm, I'm on board with that one. Like, it's kind of hard to argue that they're not. NFTs? Um, You're yes. on board with... Wait, you're on board with Bored Apes being securities, David? Because, well, it's kind of hard to defend that they're not when they have the whole entire uh, Bored Ape ecosystem and the Bored Ape is like an ownership stake over the Bored Ape metaverse. Yeah, it doesn't look good. I wouldn't want to be the lawyer having to defend that I understand that one. The, like, the ownership property, but like, how can an NFT, like, why is, why is a Bored Ape different than an Axie, for, for example? Because, an because Axie Infinity the, or a collectible, like a sword. Like, you know Gensler wants to make everything a security, right, David? Yes, but, it's because like the uh, Yuga Labs is making this Bored Ape ecosystem, this Bored Ape universe. And so it's very claimable that as Yuga Labs, a centralized party, uh, the efforts of this centralized party is going going to increase the value of a board ape bet whether or not they can execute on making the board ape metaverse or not that is kind of a security but gary would make that claim about eth too and he would call that a security well then we get into the nature of client teams like client teams are different than yuga labs i don't know i i think this one is i again all i'm saying is i would not want to be the lawyer who has to defend that that's not true anyways i want to go back to the story uh and so uh at the same time, Osiri could use MoonPay to obscure how he paid his off his celebrity cohorts for their direct or off-label promotions of the Yuga financial products. Uh, in an episode of The Tonight Show on November 11th, 2021, Fallon promoted MoonPay and the Bored Ape NFT collection by announcing that he got his first NFT through the crypto firm, which bills itself as a white glove service designed to help celebrities buy digital assets. He did not disclose that he had a financial stake in MoonPay. To me, mm. that's the big piece, honestly, yeah. is the disclosure is you have to disclose, right? Promotions yeah. are one thing, but like you have to separate what's a promotion and what's not. Mm -hmm. And when you're paid and what's not, I think that's the first thing. 100%. Whether this thing's a security or not, that's a bridge too Separ far separate, for me. Say, that's, not, that's not what the story uh, personally. is. That's not what the story is. Uh, but but you yeah. also like, look at the net effect of this. What were the brands of Bored Apes, like the Bored Ape community holders? So, like, why do I have this like anti-Bored Ape resistance? It's because uh, Bored Apes are known to like lose their private keys and get fished all the time because they're normies. Uh, and so if we, with the, sorry to all the proud Bored Ape holders, that's kind of the brand of a Bored Ape holder. And so all of these celebrities are promoting Bored Apes to like their like, you know, mainstream normie but audience. But isn't that what we want? Like mainstream adoption? That's what we want though, David. I mean, I'll yeah, push but back not on that through too. Not through secret paid chills. Not through right? that. A hundred percent guarantee. Right. And so it, like, like it onboarded a cohort of people who weren't ready to go bankless and then they paid a ton of money for their board apes and then they got fished because they like the, the connections between the novice nature of board ape holders and the fact that there was a ton of celebrity endorsements, that connection is really strong for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I'll have to let this one sit, but um I do I the thing that 
it's very clear to me is there needs to be a complete transparency around what is provided as promotional and and what's not. It it very much seemed like when I watched the Fallon show that like Fallon was like, I'm bullish NFTs and I've been Mm -hmm. board eight pilled and I bought this thing. And like, if there was some knowledge or disclosure Mm -hmm. that there was a a payment for that, that it was actually a sponsorship Right. Then uh, I'm bullish board apes sponsored by board apes. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's the thing that sticks out to me. Um, Speaking of promotion, (laughs) bankless NFTs are here. So we've been going through the Genesis collection. Uh, We originally minted uh, the SBF versus Eric Voorhees episode. And then we did the crypto renaissance. And then last week we did the ownership economy with Lee Jin. Uh, And so there's five Genesis collections. Three of them have been released. They have all sold out inside of four blocks. And the fourth of fifth is going live today. This is... Bankless at promoting our own NFTs. So disclaimer. Disclaimer. These are yeah. And actually, so I got my first one last time, David. I actually oh, got, yeah, managed you got to get one, into right, the right, Legion. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the next one has also been released. It is one of my favorite episodes oh, yeah, of all time. Of course. Ultra, Ultra sound, sound money, money with Justin Drake. With Justin Drake. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. is happening. And 10% of the proceeds go to wherever Justin Drake wants. I forget who did he select? to ultrasound.eth. And so uh, 10% of the revenue and the royalties is going to help develop- Ultrasound.money, is that right? Uh, The address is ultrasound.eth, and then that goes to the ultrasound.money website. So if you buy the Dress and Drake Ultrasound uh, Money podcast collectible, uh, 10% of the royalties and and mint revenue goes to pay for the development of ultrasound.money. My friends, this website will sustain us all through the bear market. Uh, Do not worry. This website is eternally bullish. Uh Um, That link is collectibles.bankless.com. I believe the mint goes live noon uh, Eastern West. No, noon. Noon East. East Coast. Noon, yep. noon Eastern. Yep. EST. Cool. Um, yep. All right. We got some more bad boys to tie off before bad boys, this whole bad boys. SBF thing is over. So we, what, where are Kyle Davies and Suzu hanging out these days? I think I need a membership uh, to uh, look at this article. Sure. But Vaporized One Trillion was the title in the, uh, in the New Yorker, I believe. New York Magazine, rather. Um, where are Kyle Davies and Suzu hanging out, David? Uh, they're probably, I think, in Dubai. They're in Dubai. Uh, okay. And so some some of the parts of this article I think are entertaining, I will say. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, and so I'll read off parts of this uh, parts of this uh, this article. Uh, her, as in her, the boat uh, would be captains showed off pictures of the fifty million dollar vessels at parties, bragging that it would be quote bigger than all of the richest billionaires' yachts no, in Singapore, didn't. and described plans to adorn the staterooms with projector screens, creating a waterborne gallery for their growing collection of digital art in the form of NFTs. Cool. Wow. Is that not the most toppy top signal of all time? This super yacht was the largest by well-established boat builder San Lorenzo ever sold in Asia, a triumph of Crypto Nouveau's reach. I don't know, Nouveau reach? Crypto's uh, Nouveau reach. Nouveau uh, reach, reach. That's like the new rich. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Sick. It represents the beginning of a fascinating journey. Uh, The name of the buyers had in mind was cleverly chosen, an inside joke nodding to the cryptocurrency Dogecoin that would both thrill their social media acolytes and would be intelligible to all the pathetic poor no-coiners out there. The name of the boat, of course, much wow. Uh, That's actually not a crypto meme. That's just the normal Doge meme, but whatever. Yeah, they co-opted it. 
Yep. Uh, okay, last paragraph. Her buyers, again, her, the boat, Suzu and Kyle Davies, two Andover graduates who ran a Singapore-based hedge fund called Three Arrows Capital, never got the chance to spray champagne across much wow's bow. Instead, in July, the same month the boat was set to launch, the duo filed for bankruptcy and disappeared before making their final payment, marooning the unclaimed trophy in her breath in La Sesbia on the Italian coast. Uh, and I want to just pull out two quotes from an article that Suzu and Kyle Davies said, because they, Ryan, were, if you are, have been watching them on Twitter, were trying to go through some sort of redemption arc with SBF. Uh, as soon as SBF was, was uh, you know, g- being dragged through the coals on crypto Twitter, Suzu and Kyle Davies came out of hiding on Twitter and started also trying to drag SBF through the coals. Uh, and then crypto Twitter was absolutely having none of it. It's like, wait, no, you guys are criminals too. <laughs> we haven't uh, forgotten. It's only yeah, like yeah, we know who you a are. Few months, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so, two quotes that they have tweeted, both tweeted out uh, or put into an article. Um, Suzu, it's a long story, but we were scammed just like you guys. That is a quote from <laughs> Suzu. Uh, and then also, Kyle Davies, we understand that FTX hunted our positions, mm. taking absolutely fault. no FTX's responsibility fault. whatsoever, saying it was Sam. Gross. We, we just got screwed just like you guys. We're just a bunch of normies just like you guys who got axed by SBF. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, this is Nick Carter's take uh, calling uh, Suzu and Kyle Davies carbon copies of FTX. Yeah. Uh, because that's exactly, uh, excuse me, of SBF. Uh, because what what were they doing? They are refusing to talk to liquidators, but also doing a press tour on crypto Twitter, trying to like report re, re, like carbon copies their, of yeah. SBF, mini SBF. Yeah. Well, SBF's in jail, so mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the next yeah. destination is. Um, but Put him in jail. It does seem like Do Kwan is in Serbia right now, yeah. so not in uh, in South Korea. So I he keeps, every time I've seen him tweet, I haven't looked in a while, but over the past few months, he says like, I'm fine. I'm right here. Like, you know, if the authorities mm-hmm. want to come talk to me, I'm, I'm right here. I'm just in my house. Uh, reports that are, he, he is in Serbia. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, the country that's harder to extradite from. I, I'm sure if you're in South uh, Korea. Yes. So. Yes. In, in Serbia, which, you know, kind of formerly a gulag. So it's not like a nice place to be, uh, also wanted by Interpol. Wow. Well, there we go. This is the bad boys on the run. Something else that floated by my desk this week was uh, a bill by Senator Elizabeth Warren Mm -hmm. and uh, Senator Marshall. This is a Republican-Democrat combo. It's probably the most significant attack on digital freedom I've ever seen. Uh, One of the things this bill does is anti-crypto bill. It turns validators into money services business. All have to be Mm -hmm. AML, KYC'd, register in all the states, register with all of the different places you need to register financially. It completely outright, David, bans financial privacy. So you know that whole tornado cash thing? It's like if you, on-chain privacy, mixers, all of it, it's explicitly named, uh, no can do. By the way, they get the level of detail right here. Like look at this in this- um, Yep. Money service, they're talking about MEV searchers. They use right. that term in the draft bill. Validators, that's, other independent network participants, they know MEV exactly searchers, what they're targeting. That's a 400 level term. Totally. I mean, they probably listen to bank lists in, in order to like craft a bill <laughs> like this. Um, and what this does is it turns America into a full-on surveillance state. So yep. my, my comment here in the, in the tweet was, this is how Western democracies die. I really feel strongly that if we institute this type of bill, like we're goners. We're going the way of like other surveillance uh, countries, authoritarian countries, like the way of China, that sort of thing. Now, what's interesting about this kind of bill is because like I'm not in Capitol Hill. Does this bill actually have a chance? 
and I think that's where the second order analysis really, really comes into this. Uh, and so, you know, we tweeted about it back and forth, including inviting Elizabeth Warren on the Bankless podcast. And by the way, uh, anyone from Elizabeth's office, you guys are listening right now, we'd love to talk to Senator Warren about this bill and about crypto. We're not shadowy super coders. Like this is David in a subway photo. Um, this guy does not look like a criminal to me. Um, <laughs> like we're friendly. We're happy to have a, a debate, our conversation, or anything else you'd like. But the question to Jake Travinsky is, is this bill like really a thing? Or mm-hmm. uh, like, what is this? Um, and he says, no, it has no chance whatsoever on Capitol Hill. Um, he, he says, and I quote, this is sort of her thing, talking to Elizabeth Warren, exploding, exploiting unrelated news to make headlines with crypto crackdown bills, each one more extreme than the last one to keep the outrage machine humming. For example, earlier this year, Russia invades Ukraine, let's ban, ban crypto. So that's the thing, I mean, like- Crypto, the thing that put body armor on Ukrainian citizens. Yeah, at first. Like, at some level, I felt like I needed to respond to this, right? We need to take a stand and just like, but at another level, it's kind of playing into her game, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like turning, our politicians have turned into influencer clout chasers, haven't they? Fortunately, Sick. This bill, according to Jake, does not have a chance whatsoever. So it's not a real threat, but this kind of posturing uh, is, I think, a threat. Uh, Anyway, don't have to be worried about this bill specifically, but we have to be ever vigilant, I think, against these sorts of things. I have no idea why a senator would think this is a good idea or is uh, at all, why why it would have anything to do with American values. Um, But Yeah. yeah, that's the take. Yeah, I wonder how many just wasted man hours went into producing this bill so Elizabeth Warren could just wave it around, but I don't really want to explore that question anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's explore some raises this week. Block raises. Native, they raised $15 million. Uh, Block Native is one of those, I guess, not I mean, MEV searchers. It provides the data to MEV searchers. <laughs> uh, Block Native is like a, the pre-chain layer, the mempool infrastructure. If you are an MEV searcher or a block builder, you would probably tap into uh, Block Native. Still um, getting yeah. funded. Still and getting here's funded, another thing yeah. Ms. Warren wants to, uh, Senator Warren wants to ban, which is on-chain privacy. What's this, mm-hmm. David? Yeah, ASEC raises $100 million to build an encrypted Ethereum. So uh, ASEC is like a private layer two. It is a ZK, ZK roll-up. That is two layers of ZK uh, to allow you to have scale and privacy. And so it's like a, a VPN. You put your money in Aztec and then ASEC goes and yield farm on the layer one on your behalf. So it's like a private VPN for Ethereum. Do you know, Pretty cool. you know a way to describe this is encrypted Ethereum as another way to mm. describe this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, disclaimer, both uh, Block Native and Aztec, Ryan and I are investors in. Bloop. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Also, jobs, guys. It's our weekly time to remind you that there are still jobs in crypto. It's mm-hmm. a great place to be during the build market. Alchemy is hiring a back-end engineer. Uniswap is hiring a senior front-end engineer. A Diagram Ventures needs an associate uh, for crypto venture creation. Rabbit Hole needs business ops and strategy lead. Diagram needs a senior principal, again, for crypto venture creation. MakerDAO is hiring legal counsel. You guys can find all of that at thebankless.palette.com job site. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got some hot takes out of crypto Twitter, which are nice and hot this week. Uh, <laughs> and then Ryan and I got what we are bullish on moving forward into 2020, uh, 2023. And then two memes of the week, I think two weeks, two memes double of the week. Meme. Double, memes. double meme. Two memes of the week this week, right after luck. we talked to some of these fantastic tools to help you go bankless from our sponsors. 
TrueFi is DeFi's largest credit protocol, connecting global lenders with institutional-grade lending opportunities. TrueFi has completed over $1.7 billion in originations and paid out nearly $35 million to lenders, proving that DeFi is ready to take its next big leap into the $8 trillion credit market. TrueFi gives lenders like you access to sustainable, high-yield opportunities backed by real-world investments, usually reserved for high-net-worth individuals. At the same time, fund managers use TrueFi's financial infrastructure to bring their portfolios on-chain, benefiting from the global liquidity, cost savings, and transparency of DeFi. TrueFi is a decentralized financial utility. The protocol is owned and governed by the TrueFi DAO, and TrueFi is here to bring DeFi into the golden age, bridging the power and access of crypto with institutional-grade lending opportunities and portfolio tooling. Explore the diverse financial opportunities available on TrueFi or launch your own portfolio at TrueFi.io. The reality today is that five corporations control the entire world of social media. They own our names, they restrict our content, they monitor our every move. And their time is up, thanks to our sponsor, Deso. Deso is a layer one blockchain built from the ground up to decentralize and scale social networks. With Deso, you can own your own identity, content, and social graph, and take it with you across hundreds of applications already built on the censorship-resistant Deso blockchain. Deso's storage advantages make it finally possible to build infinite state applications that can efficiently store and index large amounts of content and data fully on-chain. Deso also offers multiple crypto-native monetization primitives for developers and creators, including social NFTs, social DAOs, social tokens, and social tipping. So in order to experience the social layer of Web3, go to Deso.com and claim your username. That's D-E-S-O.com. All right, guys, a take of the week. Here's one for me. You want to read it out, David? Yeah. Ryan Tron Adams says, DeFi has proof of reserves built in. Perhaps we should try that. You what know a crazy funny? thought. What a crazy it's, thought. Look, the uh, the way out, the way forward has been in front of us the whole time. It's yes. like DeFi hasn't been tried and, and found failing. It's mm -mm. been like not tried fully. <laughs> we have the answer. <laughs> it's called DeFi. Enough. This yes. is proof of reserves built in. Right. Uh, and so pretty bullish that we'll be able to rebuild on that kind of a foundation moving forward. Here's a take from Vance Spencer. David, read it out. Yeah, Vance Spencer says, really feel like there's a lot of innovation happening in DeFi right now. Uh, and then he follows and says, people are asking for examples. Yeah. Uh, so he gives them payment for order, order flow protocols. That's uh, something like- MEV stuff. MEV stuff, yes. Manifold finance is what he might be referring to there. Liquid staking hockey stick growth. NFT royalty experimentation. Regionalized slash verticalized DeFi. Layer 2 DeFi ecosystems. Low latency use cases. And better front ends and wallets. And so these are the things that Vance has identified as getting a bunch of development right now. I'm super excited about the better front ends and wallets coming. Yeah, I think that's going to make big, onboarding big a lot easier. Account, abstraction, smart contract wallets. Please, 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 I want hundred um, percent. What about this take from Fubar saying Fubar, crypto yeah. UX is too complicated in sarcasm quotes, I think. And he's got a picture of what? Uh, you know, where you place in your credit card. So name on card, credit card number, CCV code, expiration date, billing zip. But that's not all, Ryan. If you continue, there's uh, also uh, more. Uh, <laughs> creating a wallet is confusion. Uh, confusing. Well, here is the uh, Treasury Direct to spin up an account with the uh, Treasury, I guess. Uh, it is like... Tax ID number, email address, bank account and routing number, password, password reminder, personalized image, caption, security questions. Uh, and then here is, I think, a Bloomberg terminal with a quote, <laughs> no one cares enough to learn, learn Etherscan. Look at this image and tell me that that just image makes sense to you. Like, get the hell out of here. That's ridiculous. <laughs>
and so I think uh, the part message is that yes, crypto UX is confusing because you haven't used it before. As soon as you use it, it becomes super intuitive. Uh, yeah. Do you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago when I was talking to like the 18 year old um, founders of Instap, uh, you know, who, who grew up in India mm-hmm. and they were basically like, do you know what we don't understand is like banks and right. traditional financial services. You know what's super easy? Crypto. Crypto, yeah. MetaMask, DeFi. Mm-hmm. They're just growing up with these things. Uh, yeah, I don't think banking UX is better. No, it's awful. I it's mean, terrible. The crypto UX is terrible. Sign in with Ethereum, click a button, hit approve mm-hmm. and pay. Done. Right. This is going to yeah. get a lot better over the next few years as well. I'm 100%. bullish on that. 100%. Uh, this is a take from me. Uh, Ryan, you want to read it? Yeah. The last cycle is drawing to a close, David says. The dawn of the next cycle is upon us. Wow. That sounds very uh, epic. I feel like I want to <laughs> charge into battle with you after this. <laughs> Where are we going? Where's the battle, David? What do you mean? Oh, I mean, I think you can take this one at face value. Uh, SBF is in jail. Three Arrows Capital is on the run. Do Kwan is in Serbia. Like yields are at zero. I mean, like there's not much left to do. Like the contagion is gotta be. We do, at you the mean end. we've taken out the trash? We've taken it's, out the trash. Yeah, and 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 we are identifying bullish sectors. Again, optimism, Arbitrum, all-time high transaction volume. Still got the zk uh, EVMs and Starkware and all of this stuff. Uh, uh, some things are up and to the right, while the other things that are down and to the right are coming to a conclusion. I think that. I'm declaring January 2023 will be the time where we can look forward and consider us in a new cycle, the beginning of the new cycle. Yeah. New cycle. So it yep. was a super cycle all along, huh? It was, it was not it was, a super cycle. It was always a super cycle for building, though, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> can we say that? <laughs> always a builder cycle, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. So what are you bullish on? Yeah, and so looking at our notes, I think you and I were both impacted by this Vitalik podcast that we recently recorded. Mm. Um, and I'm bullish on adults, structure, <laughs> adults. and agency. <laughs> and wow. so these were, these were some of the themes that I think came out of my head while, while we were talking to Vitalik. David's bullish on responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, one of the big themes that Vitalik has was like, yeah, like it's crypto small enough where people can impart agency upon it. You listener can change the direction of crypto. And that is one of the reasons why I got into this space personally in the first place was that crypto was small enough and I had enough ideas that I could help shape and direct crypto. And we need more clearly out of 2022, more good adults who can build stable foundations and stable structures and believe in themselves to tilt this industry for good. One of the big quotes that's always impacted me out of Chris Berniski was that the uh, plasticity of crypto, the window of plasticity of crypto is not infinite. There will be a time where we can't really change this industry in a direction that is good for us all. And so I'm bullish, Ryan, on people that are responsible, that are actually building something for the other in- parts of this industry to latch onto. And I mean, I think I think we have done a, a bang up job building Bankless. And so, Ryan, I'm bullish on Bankless because we have so many goddamn plans in 2023 that you're starting to tease them out. Uh, launch the acquisition of Earnify, uh, Bankless Collectibles, a new website coming soon. There's other things that are on the horizon, cough, cough, NFT. Uh, and so there's a bunch of cool stuff that we are trying to do because god damn it we want to build structures for other people to also leverage and use and so uh 
bankless media is going great. I'm excited to do this more into the future. I love, by the way, that the guy in the SpongeBob uh, sweaters <laughs> is telling me how bullish he is on adults and <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> it's just perfect. And I will say, well, David, I'm not in jail, so I get to say that. <laughs> okay, that's fair, fair. Uh, and look, man, if you were in jail, we'd still be doing this podcast. Some somehow, I'd I'd find a way. Yeah, I'd, sure. I'd I'd visit you, and we'd you know we'd if I, we'd if I was in up. jail, I would hope that it wasn't for a reason to. Uh, it would be uh, because the the you know the US has gotten pretty bad to yes, you know like yes. it, it would be something like this. Yeah. Um look but man you stole mine. Mine was agency too. Yeah. I'm bullish on that. You know yeah. uh instead of that maybe I'll maybe I'll say something else kind of riffing off of what you said which is mm-hmm. um what a way to impact the world. I don't know if I give off like a like a politician vibe sometimes or something. Mm. Maybe it's the glasses, but um, I, I can't tell you the amount of people who have said, "Are you like when? So when are you going to get into politics? Are you going to do something in politics?" Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that. "I'm in politics. Yeah, like this is political. This crypto yeah. movement is is political, and it's a movement where it's small enough, and it's early enough, uh, and it's important enough that we can have a massive impact politically. And this is like." A much pure manifestation of my values than at least in the U.S. You got to pick Republican or, or Democrat. I'm like, no thanks. Right. I'll pick like um, anti-authoritarian. I'll yeah. pick that. Where's the party that like I'll do Your that thing? Personal agency. Yeah. How you the, like, like the how protocol, you like them adjectives? <laughs> like those things. I'll do that, but that's not represented in a party. Guess what? These values are represented in crypto, and yeah. this is why I think. I'm super bullish entering 2023 that the riffraff is gone, right? Like not mm-hmm. all of them. I mean, like uh, Justin Sun's still hanging out here somewhere. I think Richard Hart's like just, you know, Twerking in my somewhere. tweets lurking. Like they're not all gone, but there's been a lessening of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that feels really good because it allows the adults, the people who um, care about these values to keep building the system that we've been building this entire time. And for it not to our work to get crowded out by the noisy ones, uh, so look, agency is is mine too, and yeah. um, impact. I think yeah. maybe that's the other word I would add to this fray. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think this is alpha because at the end of the 2018 bear market, the destruction that was 2018, you saw structures starting to get created. Uniswap V1 came out in like uh, February of 2019. MakerDAO died. The the original Dai savings rate came out in 2018. Is like And so now there's still plenty of structure left over. DeFi is still holding up just great. And now there's more la- structure to latch onto. Come, settle, and build your structure in this space. And Be a keep on going from there and, and just settle in. Be a settler. Uh, all right, here we go. Memes of the week. We got two. This is great, David. <laughs> what are we looking at? Uh, Describe so the is, template. This is the, the Wojak meme where things just get worse and worse and worse. So you have like <laughs> kind of the bleary eyed, like scrappy beard uh, yeah. Wojak. Starts and bad. He, he's asking how much, how, how much worse can it get? And we've got uh, Alex Mashinsky flexing his banks are not your friends shirt. I'm like totally right. Great shirt. Uh, and it's like, oh, oh God. Uh, and then the next one, it's like even more wiry here, even more blurst eyes and again the question is how much worse can it get you then you got suzu and kyle davies and then it just continues like uh an insane looking wojack how much worse can it get you got sam bankman freed followed by dcg and gary silbert and then the block really just drives this home and at this point you are just watching some like ring version of wojack and it's how much worse can you get and it's the block sitting I'm on top of you, cash the block almost dragged me down again to Dude. the depths of sadness of november Dude, I, what crypto it, it didn't last left. but like yeah, that was like, you know, that was rough, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad meme, but it also tells a story. How about this meme? Well, actually, this is not a meme. <laughs> this is a real, a this is, this the, is front the front page of the New York Post. Uh, it's a picture of SPF. 
What's yep. the caption here? Uh, uh, SBF with his, uh, you know, his hair just all over the place. Big, big, bold letters. Harry Plotter. <laughs> Harry Plotter. Nice. New York Post. Nice. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's fade us out. I'll do disclaimers, but we got a pretty fresh meme. That we, uh, sorry. We've oh, my Zen, God. Right? We have the best moment of Zen Ooh. you have ever heard. It is a full length song. It is great. Uh, I think that if you are hearing this now, listener, uh, you have earned your stripes. You have earned your battle scars. You have completed your first cycle. And this is uh, your reward. And this is your reward. This moment of Zen is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy, guys. I uh, got to fade out with this. None of this has been financial advice. Never is. Crypto is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Cyclers, your life's about to change. You're probably for the worse, cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And your friends don't want to talk about crypto all day. Oh, you're gonna feel late no matter when you came. So don't feel bad, we all felt the same. You'll go through phases, the money, the tech. You'll learn Moloch and probably lose respect for your government. Hey, they're just people too, and incentive alignment's what we're here to do. So you're in luck, you've joined something great. We're gonna change the world with what we create. So welcome to all of you first cyclers. Your life's about to change, you're probably for the worst. Cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And your friends don't want to talk about crypto all day. you're here and we hope you have fun cause you'll never get out once you've begun just do your research and don't ape in yet or you might get blown up by bitconnect or algorithmic stable coins or 80,000 percent apy ponzi's or shady crypto banks or a bridge hack or OFAC, or Gary fucking Kinsler, or fake ICOs, or pump and dump YouTube personalities, or alt layer one rock pullers, or asshole mercenary crypto fund managers that sound a little like me, Smero Smapital, SBF, etc. So, welcome to all of you first cyclers. Your life's about to change, you're probably for the worse. Cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away. And your friends don't want to talk about crypto all day. I know it all sounds confusing what people say. Well, you're still new, so that's okay. You know you're doing better when you understand. Curve pulls, hash rate, tornado cash banded. Why a cartoon with a dick foreign ass is worth two trips to Europe. Flying first class, US relayers can be coerced. But attestation censorship is way fucking worse. But we'd UASF, so it'd be alright. And they'd have circle, but we'd have die. Rise even better in Dell USD. We're decentralizing the world and we'll succeed. So welcome to all of you first cyclers. Your life's about to change, and probably for the worst Cause it'll take hold and won't let you get away And you'll end up on crypto Twitter all